0: When I was 20 years old, I got my very first tattoo. It's on my arm and it's of a phoenix and it states the words patience, persistence, perfection, which ultimately to me meant if you are patiently persistent, you will ultimately achieve perfection. Throughout the years, I had several things added, including the words persevere, prudence, I had the semicolons added, alongside a compass. All of these different pieces mean different things to me, but today I wanna talk about the word persevere. So when I had Persevere added and I scheduled my appointment with the tattoo artist, I learned that his name was James 6. So I thought to myself, okay, James 6, maybe I should go read that. And I went to the book of James, opened it up, started reading, and saw that there were only five chapters in James. So I thought, okay, I'll just read the whole book of James. And as it starts out, right here in chapter 1, it says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." I continued to read the book of James and all throughout it, it talked about the perseverance that it takes to be you know, perfected and good and holy and all of these different pieces, right? If you haven't read the book of James in a while, I highly recommend it if you are looking to grow in your faith and foundation. But it was by reading this and seeing perseverance and steadfastness that I thought to myself, wow, okay, I've, I've read James chapters 1 through 5 and now it's time to go see James 6. I did, I had persevere added, and I think it ties in beautifully to what St. Thomas Aquinas is talking about today in Aquinas' Lenten Meditations. So if you're new here, hi, I'm Allie Marie. This is My Catholic Perspective. Today is day six in our Lenten book study, or Plenten book study, where we're posting a podcast every day during Lent. And today we're talking about why Jesus had to be tempted in the desert. Yesterday we talked about um, it was fitting that he should be tempted, and today uh, St. Thomas Aquinas discussed that Christ had to be tempted in the desert. And when I look at this Ability of steadfastness, that we have to cultivate it, that James tells us here that it steadfastness has to have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Jesus wandered the desert for 40 days and 40 nights before he was crucified. He was tempted in the desert, and even when he prays at Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night of his betrayal, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, your, but yours be done. His heart is submitted to the Lord's while he's still aware of his separate Um, desire. He could have prayed that night, Lord, miraculously save me. Do not allow me to endure this suffering. Please just find another way and angels come surround me and protect me. Or he could have let Peter fight back against the soldiers when they attempted to seize him, but rather he restored the ear on the soldier that Peter cut the ear off So many aspects where you see that Christ's steadfastness was nothing but perfected in the desert as he wandered. What does this have to do with temptation? St. Thomas Aquinas says that there are two different forms of temptation, one of which is where a person willingly subjects themselves. They put themselves near the occasion of sin. This might look like watching R-rated movies with a bunch of gore, promiscuity, nudity, different things like that. It could be watching shows with right a lot of cursing. I think media in general really does put someone in the near occasion of sin only because it is very secular. It is not rooted in God. Um, what we see a lot of the time on the TV in Hollywood the majority of the time. There are some shows, obviously, I think of St. Padre Pio right there, right, where um, Shia LaBeouf is now converting to Catholicism, considering becoming a deacon, all these different things, right? So there can be goodness that comes from something, but when you look at the overall dynamic of Hollywood, it is very um, anti god pro abortion, pro everything. And so that spirit is what is underlying a lot of the televised things that they are producing. So you're you're willingly subjecting yourself to something that is clearly not of God and that is going to put you in the near occasion of sin because that is what you are putting into your brain and and it's just it's desensitizing humanity to the severity of what those sins are. So, as it is. So, there's that form of temptation where you are willingly subjecting yourself to something that is going to cause you to feel tempted to pursue those things as well. There is a second form of temptation, which he says arises from the devil's constant envy of those who are tending to better things. And so this is one that he says that we don't necessarily have to avoid. This is something where, you know, for instance, for me right now, we just received my brain scan MRI results yesterday. They aren't great. They are not Clear. They are not the same as last year's scan, which if you don't follow me, I have had a craniotomy, had a brain tumor removed in 2014. I get yearly MRIs. I have a current tumor that's over on my seventh cranial nerve that they've been monitoring for since 2021. So this would be my third MRI, fourth MRI, because I did a six-month one in there. Anyway, they've been monitoring that to make sure that it's stable, that it's not growing severely alongside monitoring my lungs for metastases and all. these different things. Um, But so I just had my most recent brain scan on Ash Wednesday and the results came through and they don't look great. Um, But I won't know the fullness of what my oncologist thinks about that until March 5th when I have my follow-up appointment to actually review the results. So what type of temptation does this present me with? I could be tempted to doubt right? That would be a temptation that I could face. Um, I thought it was interesting. Peter had commented on yesterday's video on YouTube and said that, he said, I remember when That when I started getting into theology, I was majorly stumped by this topic of Christ's being tempted. If he was God and even his human nature was without original sin, how could he possibly be genuinely tempted to give in to Satan? Doesn't perfect holiness entail that one is simply repulsed by sin and could never feel attraction toward it? So I don't think temptation can necessarily um, include attraction, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is um, I can be tempted to doubt in this moment of, hey, things might be a little bit worse than we had hoped. I could be tempted to doubt God's providence for my life. It doesn't mean that I want to doubt. It doesn't mean that I feel inclined to doubt. But the temptation itself is present. Now, for me, I feel a very strong affinity to the Lord. I very much trust His plan for my life. Blessed Chiara Badano is one that I really cultivated a relationship with when I had my brain surgery in 2014. And she herself had died from an aggressive bone cancer. And I recently read that her motto that she really grew into during her last days, last years, whatever it was, was, um, Lord, if you want it, then I want it too. Because we never know how the Lord is going to use some suffering of ours, some shortcoming of ours, some hiccup along the way, we don't know how he's going to use that to glorify his kingdom. We can never know because God is the one who makes all things beautiful in their time, that he wills the good for all those who love him. And so the temptation to doubt is there. The temptation to sit online and waste my time researching every single possible thing that this MRI result is showing Is it prudent? You know, some might say that it's scrupulous to say, oh, well, it's not actually sinful to sit there and try to figure out your results before you can talk to your doctor. But I would genuinely argue that we're called to prudence with our time. I do think that it is sinful to worry uh, to the certain degree that it um, produces maybe depression, which then turns into apathy. I don't think that we're called to an apathetic life. I think that when we are seeking the Lord and we are reading the Bible and we are seeking him at Mass in the Eucharist and when we are pursuing the sacraments that he offers to us like confession, that we've been baptized that we are, you know we've pursued either holy matrimony or holy orders, that we have the support system in place to support us through this spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, that we're moving our bodies, being proper stewards of what we're eating, that we're eating healthy foods to generate healthy minds, um, that we're being prudent and choosing to have a responsible sleep schedule to sleep when we are able. Um, Obviously, some people struggle with insomnia. There are certain exceptions to all of these things, but generally speaking, that when we pursue the life that it is that God always willed for us from the beginning of time, prior to Eve's initial sin of disobedience, um, we have always, he's always intended good for us. He's always intended health. He's he's intended life and life abundantly. He's intended all of these things for us. And so when temptation exists, I don't think that Adam and Eve necessarily walked around the desert dwelling on their temptation i don't think they walked around all the goodness that surrounded them and thought you know oh we can't go over to that tree oh but i really want to oh i really want to go over to that tree oh but i shouldn't i shouldn't there's a difference in that type of temptation right because the temptation still exists and it was never void it was always there there were just moments where it was a step closer or it was more prominent, right? There, there's a prominent form of temptation where there's an actual desire where you have to have a willful turning away so that you don't pursue the temptation. But in reality, that temptation always existed, And so when I think of Christ in the desert, obviously he's off alone. His support system is solely in the Lord. And St. Thomas Aquinas references that here, how people are tempted more commonly when they are alone. um, And that we aren't called to sit with idle hands and that we are to pursue God to do some great work. And so the Lord has led us into the desert with him this Lent. We're not alone. He's led us there. That's why we're even there. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're praying more intensely. That's why we're giving alms. That's why we're doing all of these things is for the glory of God, is to undertake a great work that God has already laid out for you. And the only way to find that great work, the only way to pursue that great work is to get up and do it, is to not sit with idle hands, is to pursue all of those sacraments and then look for the grace that it is that God can grant us. There's a term in Catholicism that's that's concupiscence, right? And that is the intrinsic desire to not want to sin. We want to honor God with our bodies. We want to honor God with our minds. There is an intrinsic desire within humanity, within the human race that exists, where if you have a well-formed conscience, you're aware of what sin is, This concupiscence that is intrinsically ordered toward God is that desire to not want to sin. You do not want to go against this natural law that he has laid out for us. And that's going to be natural for anybody. That, that exists, that, that is just an intrinsic thing that we are made with. And so, um, so I just wanted to share that with you today, too, just to know that, yes, temptations abound in this world. They always will. It doesn't matter how much you fast, how much you don't fast, how much you go to church or don't. It doesn't matter what you do. You will always face temptations in one way or another and the level of gravity that you feel toward those temptations is going to surround, you know, first off, if you're putting yourself in the near occasion of sin, if you are not being prudent and guarding your mind, guarding your heart away from those things that are not of God, that's first and foremost. But then once you start doing that, you will also receive the temptations just because the devil hates us. He's a fallen angel. He never wanted us to be created. That's why he fell away, was because God created the, the world and humans. And, you know, Lucifer was basically just like, what, am I not enough for you? Well, I'll show you, you know, he I'll show you what I can do. I'll show you my power. And he fell away with several other angels. All the demons in hev- in hell are fallen away angels from heaven as well. And so you have somebody who so desperately hated us that he left the glory of God in order to um, try to lay dominion over the Lord's creation, that, who he so desperately loves. And so when you start to understand how much it is that God does love us and you start to understand how much it is that the devil truly does hate us and wants us to suffer, he wants us out of envy, because he dislikes the joy and love that we experience from the Lord because he wanted that all to himself and God basically said no I want to create this and I want to create community and you know for these humans and everything else you start having you start understanding the dynamics of this world you start understanding spiritual warfare on a totally different level So I hope that that helps you today. I hope that helps you understand a little bit more about why Jesus had to be tempted in the desert and then also understand why it is that we're tempted. How do we turn away from that temptation? How can we put our eyes on God and grow in that steadfastness that he calls us to so that we can be perfected and holy in his sight because God does call us to be holy as he is holy every step of the way. And it's baby steps. If you're patiently persistent patiently persistent, you will ultimately achieve perfection. If not here on earth, then in heaven, right? That is the goal because every time we go to confession, every time that we confess our sins and we are forgiven, it is a clean slate. When we are absolved of those sins, it is a clean slate. And then you're in a state of grace again. It's like it's washed away. It never even existed. And so then you move forward in renewed hope that the Lord can instill his perfected desires in your heart. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please pray for me as we move forward in this Lenten journey um, now with this new information that I have in regard to my health, um, well, or lack thereof of information, but know of my prayers for you as well that I will be offering anything that I experience for the goodness of your souls, and I just look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow. So take care, and I'll talk to you soon.